Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 460 with Jeff Harry. How to make dating fun again, because dating can be a drag. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Day Radio, where we believe it is never too late to fall in love. And if you want to fall more madly in love with yourself first and then find your last first date, I wrote a book for you, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It's filled with 30 tips, stories, and exercises, and it's designed to help you step more fully into your value. You can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. Every week I share a tip from the book. This week's tip is step number 22, which is communicate clearly and graciously. This is one of the most important things that we struggle with is communication. And the reason I add graciously is because we can communicate clearly and a little harshly. So if we really work on our communication skills and and really work on just being direct, oh man, what a different world we would live in. So my challenge to you this week is to look at any place where you're kind of passive aggressive or just kind of not speaking up at all. And then just challenge yourself to have that one conversation, be direct and see where it takes you. And before I bring Jeff on, I want to invite you to my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date, and it's a fabulous place for women who are over 40 and looking to go on their last first date. It's a place with positive support. There is no bashing and complaining and whining going on here. I do not allow that. And it's just, it's a place to be inspired and to learn and grow. So if you're interested in that, come and join us. And now for my awesome guest, Jeff Harry. He combines positive psychology and play to help organizations navigate difficult conversations, and he helps individuals in addressing their biggest challenges through embracing a play-oriented approach to work. I absolutely love that. (laughs) For his work, he was selected by Bamboo HR and Engagedly as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2020, and is been featured in the New York Times, Mashable, Upworthy, and Shondaland. And he's in the background dancing and clapping. <laughs> so let's let's have you come on screen now, Jeff Harry. <laughs> awesome. So happy to be here. Happy to have you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We talked a little bit before the show about uh, comedy. And I told you that I had been married to a comedian for 23 years. And you told me that you had been in the comedy world too and got out of it. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up here in this world of expert in play and fun in corporations. So I'll give you the quick Batman origin story. So I saw the movie Big when I was a kid with Tom Hanks. Remember that, you know, where he was dancing on the piano and then he got an, offered a job to be at a toy company. So I went to F.E.O. Schwartz, danced on the piano in third grade, and then no one offered me a job. Very disappointing. <laughs> um, and then I went home and wrote toy companies and I wrote them for the next 15 years until I got in the toy industry. And I don't know if you've ever gotten exactly what you've always wanted and then been so disappointed when you get there, but it was like no fun, no high fives, no kids, no toys, just not fun at all. <laughs> I was just in this cubicle 
And I was like, why are these walls padded? This is very strange. <laughs> uh, so then I left New York, came to the Bay Area, bumped into a job on Craigslist paying $150 a week teaching kids engineering with Lego. And it was just like, they were just playing for a living. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make this a thing. And I doubled down on it. And we grew it into the largest Lego-inspired STEM organization in the U.S. But we did it all by playing. We just were like, we had no business plan. We picked cities we thought were fun. We picked people we thought were fun. And then after like 10 years, we got the attention of Silicon Valley because we were growing so fast. And they were like, do you do team building events? And we're like, of course we do. No, we didn't. But we just said yes to everything because that's how we did everything. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up the next 10 years teaching and running team building events for the top tech companies in the world. But I realized, you know, you had mentioned this earlier, like, you know, a lot of them weren't creating psychologically safe workspaces, even though they were great places, because they were not having difficult conversations, because they were not communicating with compassion and grace. And in between that time, I also found, I also dabbled in stand-up comedy. I, I remember the 20,000 hour rule or something like that. There was a 10,000 hours. If you become an expert after 10,000 hours, I remember reading that and um, I started pursuing comedy and I was like committed to doing it. I did 150 performances in like six months um, in the San Francisco area, Bay Area, and it was exhausting, dude. And that world is tough because the massive amounts of like depression um, and just like many mental issues that people are dealing with and then they go on stage to hash it out. Mm. So like, I commend any comedian, anytime I meet a comedian now that's still in the game, I'm just like, I totally respect you because I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I could not tell the same story 500 times and say it with as much zeal each and every time. Yeah, it's a tough world. Well, it's a really interesting story about the toy companies. And it reminds me a little bit of, I wanted to be a children's book illustrator back in the day. And when I moved to New York City, there was a bookstore for kids. It was called Eeyore's or something. And I wanted to work there so badly just to be around children's books. I don't know why I was obsessed with this, like working at a bookstore. It had nothing to do with illustrating a children's book, right. right? So it was kind of the same thing where I got into, I finally got the job and, and turned it down actually. But, mm. uh, and I did illustrate a children's book eventually and then ended up having such terrible publishing experience where they offer me almost no money that I still have it in a box somewhere in my basement. So it's, it's interesting where life takes you, but each step is, is the, the stepping stones to where you are. And right. it sounds like you're doing work that you love today. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's something else about, you know, so, you know, I define play as any joyful act where you forget about time, right. Where there is no, there is no, purpose. There is no result. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You are simply like in the moment. You are simply in flow. And I also consider play the opposite of like perfection and like perfection is rooted in like ego and shame and fear of failure while play is rooted in like curiosity and experimentation. And I was thinking recently just about like life and dating and, you know, love. And you're just like, a lot of times I find that us adults are striving for perfection but perfection's a curse. Perfection, actually, you don't want perfection because once you have it, 
then you're like, it's going to go away. You have this foreboding joy that it's just going to disappear because you can't keep it perfect. And I think the more we can actually like play and be present in the moment and enjoy whatever's happening right now, I think that's where a lot of the magic is. I love that. Um, uh, so perfection is definitely a curse and it's, it's not even attainable. I mean, no, it's, it's perfect, right? And, and, and it's different for all of us, but I, I, again, I remember like dating for the first time after my divorce and thinking like I had to blow dry my hair and put the contacts in and be this version of myself that wasn't even true and hope that I was chosen, which is totally not the approach I have anymore. Right. And that's hard, right? Because yeah. then it's just like, you know, what is it? Viola Davis says, you either claim who you are or you end up chasing your worth for the rest of your life. Like how many people do you know chasing their worth? And I have to be careful of this myself when I hop on Instagram and TikTok and see people posting about how much they love their spouse and how perfect their relationship is. And I'm like, I want that. I don't have that. You know, I feel like all bad about myself. And then I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. They are posting the most perfect stuff. Let's just be honest about what's going on. You know, you know, and, and that I don't compare my normal life to, you know, their perfect highlights. Yeah. It's that compare and despair is, is, yeah, it's real. It's a real trap that people fall into. And I think that's very present in the dating world. Mm -hmm. We, people compare themselves to other people. Oh, everyone's in a relationship or what's wrong with me. So I think that's part of why dating has become hard for a lot of people. And, you know, we have the apps, we have the endless stream of people not responding or being completely just, uh, I don't know, they're just not going anywhere. Um, so what are, what are some of the things you see as, as making dating hard uh, or feeling like a chore or a job? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I was, you know, on that Datable podcast and where I was running a workshop with them afterwards and they, um, I was like, why do we consider dating a job? And I was like, okay, how many apps are we on? There's Coffee Meets Bagel. There's Tinder. There's, uh, you know, okay Cupid. Now you can like shoot your shot on Clubhouse. Now there's Facebook dating, right? And then you have the standard eHarmony match. There's so much, man. There's so much. And then on top of all that, if you're trying to be on all those apps, then you hop on just standard social media that is constantly telling you that you're not enough. Like I say this all the time, we get inundated with more information in a day than most people in the 1950s got in an entire year. And most of that information is telling you you're not enough, you're not that great, you're you're not worthy because you're single. And she's like, oh, like what is, you know? Um, So it's, 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 of course it's exhausting. Because, you, because whenever you're on all this stuff that's telling you that you're not worthy, then of course you feel that way. And, and that's why I challenge a lot of people to actually get bored. Um, you know, one of my techniques for getting people to play is you can't play while you're in an anxiety-ridden state. You can't play when you're sad. You can't play when you're angry. And you actually adopt your nervous system from the person that took care of you the most. So if that person had trauma and how they took and soothed themselves, then you're going to take that on as well. So you first have to identify like what soothes you or calms you. Is it like taking a shower, going for a walk, dancing in costume and, you know, in your house, whatever your thing is to get you out of your head 
And then after that, then get bored. And what I mean by get bored is stop binge watching Netflix and stop looking at social media. And I'm not talking about forever. I'm talking about like 30 minutes to an hour because that is when you get your best ideas. That's when you get your nervous, excited ideas. And you're like, let me reach out to that person I've had a crush on in a while. Let me, you know, take this risk and send this email to this person I've been wanting to send this email to forever, right? Let me DM this person and be like, I kind of like you. You know, when you start hearing that, but you can't hear that when you're, when you're inundated with so much noise. So we have to be aware of what noise is coming in and whether that noise is serving us or not. So true. I mean, I think creativity happens when we quiet all those noises. It's a way we numb ourselves. You know, it's, yeah. um, I just had this conversation with my daughter because she's still getting over a breakup and there's a lot of Netflix and shopping. And, and that's fine. Like right. I do that as well. There's sometimes you need to numb. You just yes. need to ask yourself when you're, when you're watching Netflix, at some point, ask yourself, is it still bringing me joy? Mm -hmm. Or is it like eating Cheetos and you're like, oh, I just eaten so many Cheetos, I can't <laughs> eat anymore. You know, there's a point where it's not serving you anymore. So just be aware of that. Same thing with like social media or even the apps, right? Like, I think the other that I find people are constantly, people are constantly looking for the right answer. And it's so sad when you're like, there is none. <laughs> like, there's no right answer. There's just whatever you want, right? And like, and I say this all the time because I'm like, no one knows what they're doing. Nobody knows. We're just all making it up as we go along. And if 2020 taught you anything, even the thought leaders, your Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, Gary Vaynerchuk, none of them know what they were doing. They don't know. They're just saying stuff and making stuff up just like everybody else. So having said that, you know, you then become the expert of yourself, right? So any advice that I'm giving you, if it resonates with you, it's only because you've told yourself the same advice. And I'm simply just reminding you of something you already know about, that you know in your soul. And I just happen to be a conduit to be like, remember when you used to do that thing that brought you happiness? You should do more of that. Okay, that sounds really, that sounds smart. <laughs> Right. I think that is such a wise thing to say because everybody is looking for somebody to tell them what to do. Like, mm -hmm. just give me the answer. Give me just the give answer. answer. And it's like, what's the best app out there? What right. is the, the best way to, what's the best outfit to wear? What's the, you know, right. and it's going to be different for all of us. It's crazy. Uh, I remember <laughs> reading an article from the SF Chronicle that told me that the best place to find the person of your dreams is at Whole Foods in the prepared meal section. So I started hanging, I started going there. And then I'm like, what am I doing? What do I say to them? I'm like, do you like broccoli? I like broccoli. We should love, fall in love. You know, it's like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? So when you actually listen to somebody's advice that doesn't resonate with you and you do it, you it feels forced because it's not you. So yeah. really what we should be exploring is like, are dating apps the right way or not the right way? I don't know. You got to figure that out for yourself. You know, it's like hopping on Clubhouse or, you know, making TikTok videos and people finding you that way. I don't know. Just like, but what I'm all about is instead of me constantly trying to make myself so that someone is worthy or I'm worthy of someone's acceptance, I'm more like, why don't I just do things that I think are fun 
right? That, that fill my soul. Like I used to go to all these woo camps, all these self-improvement camps, right? And I would meet all these people that align more with my values than me going on, going to a bar or hopping on a, on Tinder or any of those other apps. So that's just how it felt. It felt right to me. So everyone has to just experiment and just feel what feels good to them and then try that. And even if like, say for example, you're like, I love to volunteer at a food bank, sweet, volunteer at a food bank and just do that for yourself. And if you meet someone while you're at it, awesome. But if you don't, you're still doing really great work and you're still bringing happiness to your life. So true. I, I just uh, did that with my paint colors actually. I remember years ago hearing advice that you should live as if you're in a relationship. So don't paint your room pink because a guy won't like pink. And so if you notice the background is blue and, uh, and I love this color blue, but I'm painting my whole house. And I said, okay, I was going to pick this kind of greenish blue color that I liked a lot. And then I found this kind of dusty, mauvey, pretty color that just spoke to my heart. And I said, I'm, this is me. I need to paint colors that I love. And so I'm, I'm madly in love with all the colors I chose. <laughs> And I'm just like, if somebody comes in and, you know, one of the litmus tests, because I have painted furniture that I've painted, if a guy would come over and not even notice it or comment on it, and that was part of like my self-expression, that gave me some information about whether we were a good fit, because here I am putting myself out there, right? And I think getting comfortable with who you are and, and letting, letting all your weirdness come out too, like your, all your parts of you where we try to hide and, and then pull a bait and switch. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm really, really crazy. Like, here's my weirdness now. No, <laughs> right? let the weirdness out. <laughs> Unleash it. Exactly. You know, Nicole does. Untame the wild. Like that is start off with weird. All right. Start, yeah. in, start those conversations having with that person to pre-screen them and don't act normal. Normal's boring. No one wants to be normal. I mean, people do, but it's just like, no one, normal's so boring. Like no one wants to know what you are living. I want to know the weirdest thing about you. Like those are some of the questions I'm asking at the very beginning. Like, you know, what, you know, crazy questions. Like what, if you could give your, your younger self advice, but only three words, you can only give them three words. What would you say? Like things like that. Just if you have a superpower, what superpower would you have? And then what would be your kryptonite? Those are nerdy, interesting questions to me. So I'm going to ask them out in the world. And that's a much better, better filter. I remember a long time ago, I wrote an OkCupid profile and the whole thing was in sarcasm. The whole thing. But I actually found more people that resonated with me that recognize it as sarcasm because other people messaged me and they would be like, do you really sell ShamWows? And I was like, you know, we can't talk now because you don't even get the ShamWow <laughs> joke right now. Come on, man. So like, the, more we put, the more we put up all these false, what is it? Uh, Chris Rock used to say, your, your professional self. You know, you're, you know, here's my professional self. Hey, nice to meet you. And then you're your <laughs> professional self for the first five dates. You know, <laughs> I do that. That's so exhausting. We do that at work as well. Like, stop doing that, right? Just show off the weirdness. And if they don't accept you, they don't deserve you. Boom. Very simple. That's true. So true. If you think back at your 
first connection with somebody who's still in your life, like a friend, mm -hmm. I, I can think back. I have a friend who I met when I was 18 or 19. We were both doing like Groucho Marx, Harper Marx imitations. <laughs> That's how we met. And we're still right. friends today. We connected through play. And right. even, you know, my husband, it didn't work out. He was a comedian. He was fun. And that was the part I connected with. So when we first met, he was really strange. Like he was making all kinds of weird statements. But then I went to see him perform and I fell in love with the playfulness of his mm -hmm. comedy. He did puppets and he, he was very playful. And then he came over and saw my artwork, which was also an expression of me. So these were parts of us that we connected on. And I think that if we can bring that into our personality, but again, it- I, I wouldn't even say bring it into our personality. Be that. Be that. that. Personality. Right. Stop everything else. Stop all, <laughs> right. stop all the bullshit, all the BS stuff, all the stuff that you think someone might like. Because think about it. Let's say you tried to- you know, I'm going to give an example. Let's say you tried to get the approval of Chad, right? So you were like proper, you got dressed up, you did all the things, you know, you, you looked all, you know, awesome for him. And then he started, starts liking you. And then after a while, you know, you're like, well, I want to reveal this one thing to him, you know, then you never can be you. This is part of the perfection being a curse is because then you have to play that role all the time. And I say this all the time with people, people are always playing. They're just playing a role that they don't want. They're just playing a character they don't want, especially at work. And it's just like, why do you want to play that character? Like who, like, why don't you just be the person you want to be, you know? And they're like, well, people might not like that. Well, I mean, they might not like your perfect you either. And you hate being that perfect you of you. So you might as well reveal who you are um, and just see where the chips fall. Yeah. And, and what I see happen is that uh, when you're not tuned in that way, the, the, the spontaneity of conversation doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I, ha I have many clients who are very guarded. It's very common to be guarded and to, to be afraid to let our guards down and adapt this play-oriented mindset. And I had one of my clients ask, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And the guy said, Jesus Christ. And she, so I said, well, what'd you say next? She said, nothing. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? Like, don't you want to know what Jesus Christ is eating and what he was going to ask him? <laughs> Why Jesus Christ? So I challenged her to say it on the next time that they talked. <laughs> but it's like we just get like closed down and yeah. you know it's so and, so how can how can people open up more <laughs> well it just just what you said be curious just be curious like we were talking about this earlier about like conversation you know my friend eric bailey taught me like you know you go into a conversation either to understand or to be right right <laughs> and when we're in a date we either and i've been on dates where you're you're listening and you're listening for a certain thing. You're either listening for the red flags or you're listening for the green flags, and which means you're not listening. You're not <laughs> actually there. You're not present. You are. You have your check boxes and you're like, okay, this and this and this. And it's just like, come on, man. Just, just be cur Just be present in the moment, 
right? And just feel how that actually feels. Another thing that I suggest people do, um, if they're like, well, I haven't played, I don't know what play is, I don't feel like I play much, you know, and I defined it earlier, right? Any joyful act where, you know, it brings, you know, where you're fully present in the moment, any joyful act. I had a client who was a lawyer and she was just like, I was like, what do you do for a living? Um, and she's like, well, I don't play. And I was like, well, what do you do? And she goes, I take people that hate each other and I get them to agree on one thing. And I had her nerd out more on that. And I was like, that's your play, right? So play is any of these things, right? So one of the techniques you can do with your friends to find out ways in which you can play more, right? And then incorporate that potentially into dates is reach out to three to five of your closest friends, right? And ask them these two questions. What value do I bring to your life? Like, like, why are we friends? Like, what do I do for you? Like, what impact have I had on your life? So what value do I bring to your life? And the second question is, when have you seen me most alive? And what I mean by that is like, when have you seen me most playful, most creative, most myself? And this comes from the Howard Thurman quote of like, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. So when you hear what values do I, do I bring to your life and when have you seen me come most alive and you get reminded by three to five of your closest friends, you're like, oh, those are the ways I play. Those are the ways I impact people. Oh my gosh, I love all this love and attention and the experience. It feels really good, but then you get a bunch of ideas of how you can actually show up. And then what's ironic is I believe, because this has happened in my life, the more then we start doing the things that make us come alive, the more we start attracting people that also are doing the things that make them come alive. And you're more likely to find that person, even though you're not looking for them, even though that's not the goal, because you're just doing your thing. And that's where we, that's where I feel the magic is when you're not trying so hard because adults get fixated on expectations and expectations of the thief of joy. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. Whenever I cook, I love listening to music from the 70s, like The Grateful Dead and Crosby, Stills and Nash, and my favorite, Joni Mitchell. With Amazon Music Unlimited, I can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. And you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any device. Now for a limited time, you can get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 90 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to claim this offer. You know, when you're doing things that make you alive, you're, you're actually attracting like a magnet, you know, you're, it's like what I, what I call pull energy versus push energy. The push yep. energy is we're trying, 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 we're trying yep. to pull somebody in. It's the same thing with marketing and, and trying to sell your business, right? You're going to sell more through being attractive than being, trying to pull somebody in who doesn't want to go there. Well, just being of service, just being you and giving to the world with no expectation of getting anything back. And that's really hard, especially when it comes to dating, right? Yeah, yeah. Not giving to get and just being present. Again, it's the thing that we struggle with the most. Like I have to constantly pull myself back to present because my brain is always working on what's next, what's next. And, and we have to understand why, right? So, you know, our brain is designed to have a negativity bias. 
you know, we have our rational mind, which is designed to keep us alive and, and, you know, and it has us that survival mechanism all the time. The problem was we lean on our rational mind to answer questions that we should be asking our intuition. And they're completely separate parts of your brain. So I think a lot of times we lean on a rational mind to be like, tell me what to do to find love. And it's just like, don't do anything, right? Or you need to do these certain things and then you won't get hurt again because that is what it's, it's trying to protect you from all of your past trauma. But it's your intuition where all your creativity is, you know, where, where it's about just navigating uncertainty. I think a lot of us really struggle with navigating uncertainty. How do you address navigating uncertainty? You, you sit in uncertainty, you play in uncertainty. You start taking risks, like, what is it? Um, I can't believe I'm quoting, we bought a zoo, but I love it. Um, <laughs> and it was like, um, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, only 20 seconds of sheer bravery and anything can change, right? So I try to apply that to my life by trying to take a risk a day. I'm not always successful, but some of the risks are me just reaching out to a friend because I'm really struggling. And other times it's me reaching out to, you know, to take a risk because I'm like, oh, I wanna be on this really, you know, popular podcast, or I want to work with this organization, or I want to reach out to this person that I'm really like scared, but really intimidated, and also really like, and I want to reach out to them, you know, so, so, but taking those risks, those small risks, right, where, where you jump into the deep end of the pool, not knowing what's going to happen. And frankly, also, if you're taking that risk each day, or as many times as you can, then it's not about the results. It's about the idea of you just being comfortable being in the uncertainty. And what we've been doing for so long, especially when we've been hurt so much, is we stay in certainty. We'd rather sit and suffer, whether we're suffering in a relationship or suffering alone, because we know that we're familiar with that pain rather than be out there not knowing what you could get. But you know, in order to feel the greatest joy, you also have to risk feeling the greatest sadness. But that's life, right? And that's what's so joyous about life. The other part that, uh, that I can't believe I'm also uh, quoting this, but I recently saw the South Park episode <laughs> or, or a clip of it. I don't actually watch South Park, but I saw this clip where this, this kid, you know, had just gotten his heart broken and a bunch of people wearing like goth outfits were like, hey, do you want to, you know, you know, go hang out and we'll just talk about death and how love is the worst. And this kid turns to him and he goes, no, I'm, you know, no, I'm fine. Like, I'm actually happy. And they're like, what do you mean you're happy? How are you happy being sad? You just got, you just got, you know, crushed, your heart crushed. And he's like, I'm happy that I can feel this sad. You know, and it's just like, I'm happy. I need to understand, I, I understood that, I love this person and I really like uh, was appreciative of this person and I love that this person was in my life. But also as part of that is also me feeling sad when it, it's over. But this is part of embracing this like beautiful sadness. And he's like, I don't know if that sounds stupid or anything. You know, and then one guy's like, yeah, that does sound stupid. And then the other <laughs> guy was like, no, it doesn't. It actually makes a lot of sense. And I, and I remember in a Love Actually, this the the kid in that movie was like, you know, let's get you know, the, you know, shit kicked out of us by love, right? He says that to his dad right before they go chase his like love of his life at 10 years old. But like, that's it. It's this idea of loving 
getting hurt and then going out and doing it again. Like there's something magical about that, that even after all that, you're still going out there. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, and if you can just continue, if I can do that for the rest of my life, that'd be amazing. And yeah, I mean, what you're speaking about is the full spectrum of feeling. You can't, you can't have this great love if you stay in this safe zone. This, I'm not going to take any risks and I'm going to play it safe and keep the guard up. And what you're going to get is safety, which yeah. is not very exciting. I mean, certainly I was looking for safety at one point in my life because I was so afraid of being hurt. And it was painful to be in a safe it wasn't safe, actually, but it was painful because I didn't allow myself to really want what I wanted and to feel fully. And I remember one day one of my kids said, you, you never cry. You're like a rock. Mm. And I did not like that. <laughs> you know, it, it kept me going for a long time. But at some point, just surviving is not enough. Right, right. And there's nothing wrong if you are like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready right now myself. You know, I was just telling, you know, you know, Sandy earlier, like, you know, I was in a relationship. I moved to another city to be in a relationship right near the person. And then it just didn't work out. But I respect the fact that like I went all in, right? And I don't know if I'm going to find the love of my life after this. I don't know if like this is going to crush my soul, but I'm willing to get ready to get my soul crushed again. Like, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, believe that. Um, but right now I'm not ready to go out and date again. And, you know, go, so, so just have compassion for wherever you're at right now. Stop looking for the right answer and really just try to explore the things that bring you joy and fulfillment. Do those, those play exercises I mentioned, like those questions and getting bored and just see what comes up. Because I really believe when we're doing the thing that makes us come most alive, not only is it bringing us the most joy and fulfillment, but it's also having this ripple effect on the world, right? That, that it's, you're giving all this amazingness to the world. And then the world reciprocates that back. The universe eventually reciprocates that back. So true. And, and I love that you went all in. And it's, there's only one way to know is if, if you do go all in right. and then you're willing to do it again. And you do need to take time after a breakup to regroup and to really reassess and to learn and to heal because otherwise you're just going out and you're kind of making messes everywhere. And you know people aren't always ready to date. I, I had a guy call me the other day who is still going through a divorce. He was so angry at his soon-to-be ex, spoke way too much about his anger and, and how she was trying to take all his money. And, and I was just like, okay, bye-bye. Nice, nice to not meet you. <laughs> but I'm not going to school him on, you shouldn't be on a dating app. That's, right, that's, right. that's his problem, not mine. <laughs> right. So um, I have a question for you about play and fun and adventure. I want to talk about the other extreme because there are people who are addicted to that kind of always living in that space of everything has to be an adventure to the mm -hmm. point where they attract chaos and toxicity into right. their lives. And when people are trying to heal and become healthier, and then they, they start dating people and they seem really boring, right? So a lot of people who are secure are, are not that exciting in the beginning, possibly. 
And I'd love to hear from you how somebody could take someone who could be a little vanilla and inject some fun and see if there is possibility for like a higher level of attraction by putting more play and exciting adventures into your dating life. Yeah, I think a lot of times when I reference play and dating, people think like, oh, are you gonna go skydiving? You can go on trampolines? Are you gonna do, like you're gonna do all these things? It's like, no, you don't have to do all that. You can, but also sometimes, you know, play is simply having curious questions. It's doing those 36 love questions that, you know, that come out of the New York Times, right? It's, you know, it's being curious about like, what is, what, what is their, what's the nerdy thing that they would love to do? I remember, um, I think it was UA on, on Dateable uh, gave a really good suggestion of like, go on a date where you take that, take someone to three places that really are important to them in their life. Like, so it's almost like a tour of the city or the town you're in that, and then you explain those. And that's just like you being curious about them. There's nothing like grandiose about this stuff that we're doing. Um, and I think the other part about like, you know, oh, well, this person is boring. You know, my challenge to you, and I heard this from Julie and Yue, like they say things called go on a master date, right? And that is like a sing, go on a date by yourself. Because maybe it's not that person that's boring. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're, you're not like doing fun things yourself. So I think a lot of times we externally want to blame somebody else for not being enough, right? And it's ironic, right? People that, that don't value us, we chase all the time, right? We're like, oh, you gave me no attention. I must, I must court you, right? While someone that's actually showing you love then you're like, ew, what's wrong with you? Why are you so weird? Why do you like me so much? You know, so I remember I was with a friend once, like where you, well, here, let me first say this. Elizabeth Gilbert has a quote where personal, she says, personal transformation doesn't happen and get, until you get tired of your own bullshit. So it's just like, what bullshit story are you telling yourself? What BS story are you telling yourself? Now, tying this into my friend, my friend made a list of all the things that she wanted in a guy. And, and then that guy showed up. And one of the things on the list that she didn't realize, or she didn't put it on the list was like, you know, his like appearance. Like, I don't know, he was like a little heavy set or something like that. And she was just like, yeah, I have a problem. I don't know if I feel this way. And and then me and my friends were like, well, was that on your list? And she's like, no, <laughs> she's been with that guy for seven years now. So like, again, we have to call ourselves on what story are we telling ourselves? Is it really that this person is boring? Or is it that you've been in such toxic relationships that you're bored when you're not getting, um, you know, like hurt, right? And then is that healthy? And then if that is the case, I always, again, tell people to do the thing that makes them nerve-sided, nervous and excited. So if you are a, um, what is it, where you're dating so many people in a row? What is that? Serial monogamous. If you are a serial monogamous, stop dating. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. Yeah, be alone. Be alone for a little bit. Just a little bit. What's a little bit? I don't know. You figure it out, right? feel how that feels, right? If you're someone that has been single for a really long time and you're like, oh, I don't want to be in a relationship, try it out just, just to see. Go out and be, you know, go steady with someone for a month just to see how that feels. Again, see everything like an experiment 
where you are just trying to see if it feels good to you. I remember I was at a winery once and I was like, I don't know anything about wine. And the guy was like, look, if you like it, keep drinking it. If you don't like it, stop drinking it. It's really simple. It's the same thing <laughs> with life, dude. It's the same thing. Super simple, you know? Do the things that bring you joy and fulfillment and make you fully present. And when they don't anymore, then stop. And it's the same thing with people. <laughs> if only people would listen. They're like spinning their wheels, guy. Right. Oh, right. like drinking the wine. They're like, do I like it? Do I not like it? You know, and it's just like, if it's not an F yeah, right? Yeah. Like if you're not super excited, you know, then why are you doing it? You know, yeah. I know someone that interviews all of her dates at Starbucks. Is that working? I don't know. Does that work for you? Does it not work for you? I mean, <laughs> she's super bored at these. Like they're like interviews. So it's like, you know, so again, reflect on your BS. See what see what old stories you were telling yourself and why are you continuing to tell those stories and how do those stories benefit you? And if they don't benefit you anymore, then call yourself out on those. Yeah, uh, makes sense to me. <laughs> I like nerve-sided, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, when I think back at some of the best dates I've had, they've been very different from the predictable usual dates. I said yes to a date 10 minutes after I connected with somebody on an app. Hey, you want to go meet for a smoothie? Okay. Uh, I said yes to go, go karting and I was petrified. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to go kart. That's what made it fun. Right. And so it's just, you know, taking, taking risks, having fun, taking chances. One of the things that we learned in coaching school was we, we learned about the wheel of life, which is divided into eight, eight sections of a pie. And mm -hmm. one of them is fun and recreation. And when I go through the wheel of life with clients and I say, what do you do for fun and recreation? It's usually like one of the low ends of the spectrum. They think fun and recreation means, uh, expensive vacation to Vegas or, right. you know, going to an Island somewhere. And I'm like, no, what, what do you do for fun every day? Do you mm -hmm. laugh? Do you have friends that you laugh with? I mean, that's, you know, I had a party years ago with friends, one of my birthdays, and I just had like 20 people sitting in a room from totally different parts of my life. And I went around the room and I said, what connects you to me? And almost every single one of them, it was sense of humor, definitely deep, deep, you know, deep dive into things like we, we do, but that we're, we were so different and we, we couldn't have been more different, but also the same. And I think that if we can look beyond what the, that list is, yeah, we find connection with people. We it's in surprising ways. And I, I love looking through people's lists and, just tearing them apart, just go deeper into like, you know, tall. Is that a character trait? Right, right, <laughs> right. Like if the person is not tall, right. is, it, is it now done? Is everything done? Simply, yeah. they gave you everything in the world, but they happen to be five foot nine. Oh, no, I just can't I know, that. and so people just, get stuck yeah. on that. It's crazy. Like, what we, yeah, what are we limiting ours? And, you know, and I say this all the time, like, let's learn from the dying. One of the biggest regrets of the dying is I wish I had the courage to live the life that I wanted to live, not the life that others expected of me. So what are we doing, right? Are you choosing 
to live that when you're going out on those dates, right? I think of blue zones, um, places where people live the longest, you know, like Okinawa, like Loma Linda. And it's just like, well, what, what makes them live the longest? Fun and leisure, a lot of leisure time, right? You know, meaning doing things that are really impactful in their lives. And then also relationships, meaning not just dating relationships, but friendships as well, where they've been vulnerable enough to connect with a lot of people. And because of that, they believe that the universe is watching out for them. So the more we actually are being vulnerable and putting ourselves out there to connect, we're actually doing a service to the world as well as for ourselves, right? And I think, again, we're so scared about getting hurt, but like, if you wanna change the world, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Oh, vulnerability. <laughs> I remember in coaching school, somebody said to me, he wants to be more vulnerable. This was before Brene Brown made vulnerability so accessible and so right. understandable. And I saw vulnerability as weakness then. And I said, why, why would you want to be more vulnerable? That's so weird. And he was like trying to explain to me what vulnerability is. And it was, it was so eye-opening for me because again, you can come in with this closed mindset, vulnerability, ew, not for me, or vulnerability is the key to making these amazing connections and, and really feeling the full spectrum of our feelings and being able to connect to people. So important. Um, so, Jeff, this is just an amazing conversation. I could go on forever, but I, we do have to end. <laughs> um, I would love to hear your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date. I mean, you've shared so much already, but if you have any, any little last word of wisdom. Okay, I'll share two. One I just recently heard on TikTok of all things, um, where you have to ask yourself, you know, uh, does the person like you, does the person like what you're doing for you? You know, yeah. so that's, that I thought was really interesting. And also thinking about that for yourself as well. Like, you know, how am I actually showing up? But I think the other thing, and I love to describe this, and I'm going to try to tie this to dating, but I also just believe this in life is like, you know, do you know the movie Goodwill Hunting? Mm -hmm. So in that movie, you know, for anyone that doesn't know it is like Matt Damon's a genius, Ben Affleck's his best friend. Um, and they're at a construction site at the end of the at the end of the movie. And Ben's like, when are you gonna take one of these high-paying jobs? Because you're a genius and you could have any job you want in the world. Uh, and Matt's like, I'm not. Um, and he's like, Well, why not? He's just like, no, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna raise my kids next year. We're gonna, you know, go to Foley Field, watch them play baseball, and that's just what we're gonna do. And Ben turns him and he's like, if I see you here in 20 years, I'm gonna kill you. Like, I'm literally gonna kill you. And he's like, what, what, I owe it to myself? And he's like, no, you owe it to me because I'm gonna be here in 20 years and I'm okay with that. But you, you are sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash that in. And how tying that into dating is like, you are sitting on a winning lottery ticket, which is you, which is all of you. And, and the world needs you. The world needs you to cash that in, not just for themselves. Not, you're not doing this just for you, right? You're doing this also because when you actually show up, you're giving other people permission to show up. So every time you put yourself back out there and then vulnerable and be like, I'm gonna you know, put myself out, I might get my heart broken. You're also giving permission for others to do that as well. 
you're giving them permission to go out there and potentially find the love of their life so that they can have their last date you know, ever, right? So we have to be asking ourselves, how are we showing up? You know, and are we willing to cash in this winning lottery ticket, be vulnerable, put ourselves out there and allow ourselves to play and be our nerdiest, weirdest selves because that's what the world needs right now. Beautiful. Your nerdiest self, cash in on that winning lottery ticket. (laughs) and yeah just stop with the games and the bs really uh so much good takeaways (laughs) so much good stuff here jeff let our audience know how they can find you you're all over the place so give us a a couple of ways so if you want to see all my ridiculous videos i'm all on all the platforms tiktok instagram uh, I was about to say Hulu, Hulu, find me on Netflix. No, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, at Jeff Harry Plays, J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. And then you can also come to my website, rediscoveryourplay.com and click on the Let's Play button. I actually have an article I wrote just about play and dating. Um, and uh, yeah, let's hop on the phone together and figure out a way in which you can kick ass in this world all by playing more. Woohoo! And that it's a great article for anyone who hasn't read it yet. Um, so many great tips in there. I shared it with my group on your last first date because uh, it's just so important. And people are like, wow, this is great stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to be having it on my show. Wait till you hear this amazing stuff. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jeff. This has just been a delight. I'm like, I, I'm so curious to know even more. So maybe we'll have you back or maybe we'll have you in other ways join in my groups. And I just love this connection. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. And if you guys love us, please rate and review us. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. 